You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Welcome into Kingdom Keys, the official pregame podcast for Arrowhead Pride with Price Carter, Maurice Elston, Nate Christensen. I am Nick Schwartz. The Chiefs are 5-1. and one. There are no more undefeated teams left in the NFL. So once again, the Chiefs just quietly going about their business and are starting to find themselves back in the conversation amongst the best teams in the NFL. We're going to get to the Chargers game who are coming off. <laughs> the Chargers coming off a pretty brutal Chargering on Monday Night Football, a very public chargering on which they lost to the Dallas Cowboys. But before we get into that game, guys, the Chiefs might be getting the band back together. Earlier today, we're recording this, by the way, for posterity's sake, we're recording this on Wednesday. And earlier this afternoon, the news came down that the Chiefs have traded in a late round pick swap for McCole Hardman. Frank Clark has been released by the Broncos. He tweeted out that he's going to be in Kansas City later this week. There's a report out now from Carrington Harrison that he's going to be in the facility to take a physical with Kansas City. All the old friends are coming back to town. Let's start with McColl because that's the only one that is official at this point. Uh, what are your guys' thoughts on the Chiefs adding McColl Hardman back into this wide receiver room? I personally don't really see a huge issue with it. I here's the thing. I think that this is a not like he is Mr. Right now, not Mr. Right. This is clearly not fixing the Chiefs long term wide receiver issues. But I do think that it raises the floor of the roster. First off, during training camp, there was a lot of thought that Richie James could be a guy who made an impact on this roster. He, in theory, was like one of the more accomplished wide receivers in this room. It does not appear that he's going to be back anytime soon or maybe at all. Then you throw in the injury to Justin Watson, which doesn't sound super serious. Andy Reid said today that he was going to avoid IR. There's some speculation whether that's actually true with McCall Hardman needing a roster spot now. But ultimately, McCall Hardman is now probably the fastest player on the Chiefs roster, depending on what you think of Marquez Valdez-Scantling. And I think he brings a certain element to the offense that was missed. And it's not actually the jet sweeps. A lot of people talk about his jet sweeps, and they were super effective in that 49ers game, but that's probably actually the best he's ever looked at that. Um, I think what he brings is just like some respect on the other side of MVS if you do put him down to run down on the edge, or he does bring a level of threat with the ball in his hands speed-wise. Kadarius Tony is shifty. He is fast, not quick. It's kind of it's kind of a difference. And one thing that I really have noticed is last year, Kadarius Tony's average depth of target which way higher. He was he had 4.8 ad, average depth of target. So they were throwing the ball down the field to him. That has completely gone away this year. Only 2.6 for him. And I honestly, I think part of that is Michael Hardman. Now, I know that they didn't play a lot together because of Hardman's injury, but I do think that there is something to, are they using Tony as a gadget guy or are they trying to develop him as a receiver? 
Are they, you know, and Hardman fits right into that gadget role. And if worse comes to absolute worse, when Kadarius Tony gets hurt again, which will be soon, because that's just who he is as a player, you have McCall Hardman to step in there. And I think that this is a raise the floor, not the ceiling of the room type of type of move. Given the conversations that we've had pretty much every week about this wide receiver room, we've talked about the roles and the lack of establishing of roles in that room. It would be easier to name the guys who have exceeded our expectations for the season than vice versa. Do you guys, Maurice, Nate, whoever wants to take this, see him, McColl, coming in right away and reclaiming the role that he had for the Chiefs last season? Or do you think it's going to look different because the wide receiver room looks so different this year? I'd say that it's going to look, in terms of McColl's role, it's probably going to look pretty much the same as it did last year. Like, it's pretty clear what he is as a player in the NFL, which is like jet sweep guy, you give him the ball in a straight line or you run him vertically, um, which the Chiefs needed because I, I talked about this on the AP film room last night. Like, Kadarius Tony, at least from my vantage point, does not look that athletic or healthy right now. Um, you know, he had the injury uh surgery this offseason i do wonder how much that is affecting him because like you get you see him get the ball on some of these like jet sweeps and stuff and it's just like he's not he just doesn't look fast like even by his standards he's not like cutting away from people or anything like that so like price mentioned it's important to have Kadarius tony insurance because like if Kadarius tony were to miss time which is inevitable he's just that's just part of his nfl profile you have to have somebody who can do the motion stuff and the chiefs didn't have anybody else on the roster really to do that especially since Richie James didn't really pan out. So in terms of compensation, I think this is like perfectly fine. I think that they hardly gave up anything for Hardman. So I'm not worried about that. My only concern with this is that the chiefs are now just not going to be able to address wide receiver any deeper if they had the Avenue, because they already have seven on the roster now with McColl and they have Richie James on IR. So that's like my only concern, but it's for the price they give up for Hardman. I think it's pretty much a win for the most part. Yeah, I would think that, like, I'm I'm thinking that McCall is going to take the roster spot of Montreal, Washington. I think because he does have the punt return ability that um you can move probably Montreal, Washington, get him back on the practice squad just in case and put McCall in that spot and still use him on offense. So I think that's the roster, in my opinion, I think that's the roster spot that the Chiefs is going to, the move that's going to be made when it comes to that. I do think McCall comes right back in and just falls back in line. I think you're looking, Chiefs are probably looking for somebody else who has a more firm understanding of the offense as well, because I think that's kind of been some things. And and I just really think that McCole is going to help out a lot with some of the red zone things the Chiefs are trying to do as well. So I think that's a, it's a good addition, low cost, come right back into play, and no ties to him when the season ends again. Yeah, and we'll see how much of a role he plays uh, this Sunday versus the Chargers. We know there's probably not going to be a, a very complex reacclimation period for him given the time he's spent in Kansas City. But hey, guys, we've been asking for them to fix this wide receiver room or for something to happen, for some roles to establish. We may have just gotten it with the trade for uh, for McCole Hardman. Let's get into and this game. Oh, sorry, you go bring ahead, up a, You bring up a good point, too. I think that this makes more sense to bring him back for the level of player that he is and also the level of impact he's going to make he's going to come back and be able to probably play this Sunday I don't know how much I assume he's healthy but overall this is a player that's going to come in and make an instant impact whereas if they were to trade for you know pick your wide receiver that might be on the market Adam Thielen DeAndre Hopkins or whatever there would be an acclimation period to an offense that is notoriously difficult to learn 
So that's the kind of like the added bonus is like, hey, you can come in and produce right away. So I, I do think that's a nice little added bonus to it is that you there's no layover period. Not just the acclimation period, but the cost, right? The price tag from a Cole Hardman significantly lower than not just the guys you named, but we've heard Jerry Judy's name tossed around. Cortland Sutton, Mike Evans, Hollywood Brown, any of those guys are going to cost more than what the Chiefs gave up to get Hardman, which was basically moved back from a sixth to a seventh round pick. So you think about the familiarity with him. You think about the price tag. That is likely the thought process that went into the Chiefs ultimately making this deal for Hardman. All right, Sunday, the 5-1 and one Chiefs welcome the 2-3 and three Los Angeles Chargers into Arrowhead Stadium. Price, why don't you uh, get us started with the latest on the injury report for these teams? Looks like we've got two mostly healthy teams. The only player that did not practice today on Wednesday for the Chiefs is Justin Watson. He has the elbow injury we alluded to earlier. Um, Alohi Gilman is a safety that did not practice for the Chargers. Uh, Raheem Lane did not practice. I think he might actually be. They had a predominant special teams player that's probably going on season ending IR. I believe that's him. And then uh, Deane, Dane Leonard is a defensive back who also did not practice. So we'll banged up in the secondary. Uh, not huge key contributors, but some glue guys. But uh, overall, mostly two healthy teams. It's always interesting, or at least it has been the last three seasons or so, when the Chargers come into town. And this precedes Justin Herbert, but I know a lot of Chiefs fans roll their eyes every single offseason when pundits on TV will start talking about who's the team you're looking out for, who's the team that's going to make some noise, who's your sleeper team in the AFC, the Chargers, the Chargers, the Chargers. And it, I, I understand why people do that, because the talent does not reflect the record and the results that we see from this team every single year. Nonetheless, uh, I believe, correct me if I'm wrong, Patrick Mahomes has more losses against the Chargers than he does any other AFC West team with two. Do I have that right? I mean, he's only played in one that he lost. The other one, Colin Saunders was playing middle linebacker. That's true. <laughs> well, actually, no, that's not true. Technically, he has three. Uh, there was the one that Philip Rivers started. You know, the one that Chargers fans made a T-shirt for his very first year. Um, there, there was that one. So he has lost two as a starter, three technically, but like I said, Colin Saunders was playing linebacker in that game. So, uh, but pundits love to tell you that, you know, Justin Herbert's beat Pat twice. I would, I would still say like the chiefs are going to get ready for this game as if it is a big game, because even though the chiefs have had success, like I go back to last year, I think it was Sunday night football. These games are always close. Like the chargers have consistently played the chiefs close, even though the chiefs continually come out on the right side of things. So it, it's sort of 22 as I'm getting ready for this game. I'm like, I don't take you that seriously, but I take you seriously enough to know that I don't think the chiefs can come in with their C game and expect to just cruise right past this team. So Maurice, why don't you get us started off? This is kingdom keys. What is your key for Sunday's matchup? Oh, uh, for Sunday's matchup. I, I really just feel that for the chiefs to walk out here with a win and not let it come down to a, another close game, which it may anyway, just because that's how the chiefs and Chargers love to play each other, but just rest on res on efficiency. Um, I think that was one of the biggest struggles you've seen against the, the Chiefs against when they played the Broncos this past week was just when they got towards the red zone, it was a struggle to get into the end zone. I think one touchdown out of out of four, 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 four um times in the red zone. Um Harrison Buckner saved us with by just hitting kick after kick after kick. That's not normal for the Kansas City Chiefs. Normally, if they get in the red zone, it's a high percentage of conversion to touchdown. And we really just haven't seen that this year consistently. 
So I think really for the Chiefs to 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 get the offense going, I think a lot of it comes to not just with play calling, but I think play calling is a big part of it in the red zone. Um, not having those kind of – that's when you lack that go-to receiver, right, the one that can just get open by himself outside of Travis Kelsey when you when the, when the field shrinks, right? But untimely penalties have, have been a, a play in the red zone too. Um, you get a holding penalty here. Now, now you set back 10 yards, and we just – the Chiefs haven't been able to recover from that in the red zone like previous years. So I really think if they can tighten up the red zone efficiency, um, get that up and score a little more touchdowns and field goals this coming week, I think that's going to be a major key to a victory here. Maurice, both of those things that you mentioned, I think 99% of Chiefs fans would agree, are the most frustrating thing that we see kind of continually week after week. Because it, it, you, you, you're, you're talking about a savant, an offensive savant in Andy Reid, one of the greatest play callers the game has ever seen. Yet you get into the red zone, some of the third and short stuff, like we saw this last week against the Broncos. It was a big conversation online, right, about – getting too cute with the play calling. And part of me, like I, I want to be critical and say, you have all this talent, you, you have the ability to like convert in these situations. And the other side of me says, sometimes you just got to live and die with the decisions that this guy makes. The red zone stuff though is exceptionally frustrating considering like you're moving the ball about as well as any offense in the NFL you're just not converting them into points the way we're used to seeing. Is that something that at this stage in the season or a month and a half into the year that you just kind of expect to get better as the year goes along? Or is it something that you're kind of keeping an eye out for wondering, like, is this just going to be an issue all year long? I mean, I definitely think the Chiefs turn it around. Um, Andy Reid has a, a knack for figuring it out. Um, I think once Pat- – as Pat gets more comfortable with the receivers he has. Again, I think adding Miko Hardman back in that speed element back um, that that teams actually have to respect when you see him go in motion. Um, I think that's going to get an added value to what they can do in the red zone. If we think about the time that Miko Hardman was healthy last year, he was kind, he was very effective inside the red zone in the packages that they used him in just because of the, feet, the speed factor um, when you're going horizontally. So I think it's something – you can keep an eye on, but eventually I think the Chiefs and Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes get this figured out. I, I think there's a couple of things here that are interesting. The Chiefs really are probably one of, and I mean, you you alluded to it at the beginning of the show, Nick. The Chiefs are the only team that like can play ugly games and still win them, and they seem to be able to play with their food and still be able to win those games. There's no undefeated teams left in the NFL. And the Chiefs had their ugly game against the Jets, and they won it, and the Eagles didn't, right? The Chiefs are really good at just sleepwalking through these games. And this part of the schedule, including the Chargers at this point now, have, you know, they've basically sleepwalked through it. Now, I do have one thing that I think might just be perception. For the last five, six years here in Kansas City, we have been, you know, offense, offense, offense. We're going to outscore everyone. This is the way we play the game. Now that the defense is playing so well, I think we get this idea that because we don't see high-flying offense, that it's not good football or it's not enjoyable football. Well, obviously, you would like to win every game 52 to nothing or whatever. Um, Honestly, if that game is 31-20, the exact same point margin, right? 11 points. If the Chiefs win 31-20 over the Broncos, everyone's pouring shots and we're all like excited and happy because, you know, you know, Pat had three tutties, no interceptions and threw for 330. A win is a win is a win. And the Chiefs do not have to be 
it's kind of one of those like Occam's razor things, right? Do they need to be more aggressive because they have a good defense that can hold teams back or can they be less aggressive? I'm not necessarily sure what the right answer. You can talk to an analytics person who's going to say, you know, oh, they should be more aggressive because they have the best quarterback on the field. All I know is this. The Chiefs seem to be able to figure this stuff out when they need to the most. Um, this is, as you alluded to, Nick, I, I think this is a big game because you can essentially, put, you know, put the Chargers to bed here. They come in here, have a division loss, then they fall to two and four, and they don't play the Chiefs again until the end of the season, week, week 18, right? So basically the, the division will be over for them. Maybe the Raiders push them, but I doubt it. So I, I think that this game, they will tidy that up. Hopefully put the ball in the hand of Patrick Mahomes and not Kadarius Toney when it comes to like, you know, key third down plays. So hopefully, but honestly, I think it might be perception too. Nate, what about you? What's your key for Sunday's matchup versus LA? Yeah. Um, so one thing I personally, I'll just say, I really enjoy these Chargers Chiefs games through the years. Uh, this is like, in my opinion, arguably the closest we get to like real playoff games um, in terms of kind of like the tightness and like the margin of error or things like that. And I was kind of looking through like some of like the corollaries between all these games. And one thing I noticed is that the Chiefs really have success running the ball against the Chargers for the most part. So I was kind of going through Brandon Staley's been the coach for four of these things. And I was just looking at the game logs for all four of them. And the first game they played in 2021, Clyde Edwards-Alaire had 17 carries for 100 yards. Um, the second game they played, they weren't super successful against the run or uh, running the football necessarily. But if you go back to the 2022 games, Clyde Edwards-Alaire had eight carries for 74 yards. And that week two game last year, the Jalen Watson game. And then the last year's game, in the second game of the year, Isaiah Pacheco kind of had that game where he had 15 carries, 107 yards. And if you remember about that game, that was the game that the Chiefs came out in the second half and they just like ran the ball for an entire drive because they were able to do it. And that's kind of the thing the Chiefs have, you know, they have struggled to pass the ball a little bit, at least in like spurts against the Chargers, but they've been able to successfully run the football. And I think if you look at the season overall, outside of the Mahomes to Kelsey plays, I'd argue the second best part of this offense is running the football. So at this point, I'm kind of about embracing it. Like, I think that we have a good enough sample size to realize that these wide receivers are probably just going to be a weakness of this, this year's team, this year's version of the Chiefs. So embrace your strengths. Just become a better running team. Kind of commit to that more. And I think that as they continue to try and find their identity for the rest of the season, in. Uh, this is a big game against a divisional opponent who you know always competes hard against you might be in the playoff race you should start forming that identity this week so i want to see the chiefs just commit to a run game and be efficient and kind of uh you know take time off the clock let's just kind of build that up so that they have that more in their quiver for the playoffs i'm only half joking when i ask this but do you believe that like andy reed like based off mountains of volume of him being a play caller, do you believe he has it in him to like commit to a run game for an entire season? Because he has Patrick Mahomes at quarterback. And even if before he had Patrick Mahomes, like Andy Reid wants to throw the ball. Like that's, mm. that's part of what's going to make him a hall of fame coach when he decides to retire. But I'm, I'm genuinely curious. Like, does he have it in him to say, you know, we're, we're going to commit to the run. This is part of our identity. We're going to play to our strengths. I think in this instance, he might, because the one good thing about running the ball more is that it protects some of the passing concepts for the playoffs. So from Andy's perspective, like kind of person mentioned, Andy Reid likes to play a season pretty slowly for the most part and show as little as possible. 
And running the ball is a pretty easy way to do that because there's really only so many ways to run the football, but there's so many different ways to get the ball in your pass catcher's hands. So at least in the regular season, I think that's something that the Chiefs would actually be okay with because it actually keeps more of their playbook concealed. One thing that's a little interesting about this is the Chargers may, you know, Brandon Staley, he's one of those guys, like we talk about the forced down decisions. We talk about the big losses, but really the biggest indictment on Brandon Staley is the fact that he is a defensive minded coach who has never had a good defense. This is no exception. However, he has found a new way to be bad. Uh, historically, for a long time, there it was pretty good passing defense and then a really run, run a really poor run defense. Well, the tables have turned a little bit this year. They've actually been pretty solid against the run this year. Now, these are raw counting stats. The Chargers had an early buy, so they have one less game. But it works for them. It doesn't work for them. They're 23rd in the yard in, in yards rushing yards allowed in the league, but they are eighth in the league in passing yards allowed, and that's with a buy. So that should be helping them. And they're still eighth. You can throw the ball on this team. Now it's a little bit of a movable force, a movable object type of thing here where the Chiefs have kind of been more of a run-orientated office. So it'll be interesting to see how that goes. Um, I think, you know, this Kelsey's always been the name when it comes to the Chargers, so he'll definitely be a player to watch. Um, every report coming out of KC has been Rasheed Rice, Rasheed Rice, from people like James Palmer, who are, you know, have pretty good sources. So it'll be interesting to see which is a bigger part of the game plan this week. Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the Prop G podcast. We got a special series running on right now called The Future of Work, where I answer all your questions on, surprise, The Future of Work. Questions including, what are we missing when we work remotely? Or how do we handle work-life balance when a major opportunity comes knocking? From the provocative to the technical, we're offering insights you won't want to miss. So tune in to The Future of Work, a PropGPod special sponsored by Canva. You can find it on the PropGPod wherever you get your podcasts. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Nate, why don't we just keep it with you? Uh, what's your key for this game on Sunday? Oh, I thought we just did that with the running. Oh, ball. sorry, Price. Sorry, <laughs> I was looking at Price. I was saying Nate Price. You're all good. Well, I'm actually going to go to running the ball, but on the other side of the of the team here. So Kellen Moore comes over from the Cowboys. Uh, I think like Tony Pollard. Obviously, he was injured, but Tony Pollard's a great litmus test to kind of like what the difference is between the Kellen Moore offense and what's not. Last year, Tony Pollard's a superstar. You know, he's a player that. Everyone wants on their fantasy team. He's a player that a lot of people thought should have gotten a bigger, uh, you know, a bigger deal instead of the franchise tag. And then this year on the on the Cowboys, he's been pretty brutal. Um, part of that's the offense, and part of that's injury related. The Chargers came out running the ball like crazy against the Dolphins. Now the Dolphins also don't have a great run defense, so that might be part of it. They rushed for 233 yards against the Dolphins, um, and then they've also in a win against the Raiders, they rushed for 155 yards. They really want to be able to run the ball. Uh, then Austin Eckler got hurt, and that didn't help. And then Corey Lindsley uh, got placed on injured reserve with a heart condition. Obviously, center is a major part of the run game and the pass game. Uh, the Chargers, I have no doubt that they want to get 
back to running the ball. Uh, they're with Joshua Kelly and some of the teams that they face. The Vikings have been pretty stout against the run. Uh, they kind of bottled up the Chiefs pretty well. They bottled up the Chargers and the one of the wins that the Chargers had. Uh, they only held them to 30 yards, but Chargers have 3.9 yards per carry, which is 21st in the league. I personally think that this is a game that they are going to want to get back to running the ball. Per True Sports Media, the Chargers have a 22.8 success rate on design runs. That is the worst in the NFL. And not only is it the worst in the NFL, it's worse, it's worse by a wide margin. The next team is at 29%. So they are really stinking at running the ball right now. And now that they've lost Mike Williams, we kind of saw what this offense looks like when the run isn't a viable option, and it's just on Justin Herbert and Keenan Allen to make plays. Uh, Quentin Johnston put him on a milk carton. Joshua Palmer is is a nice role player, but he's not the guy that you want to be going to time after time. So I think the Chiefs looked a little vulnerable against the run game of the Broncos last week. Javante Williams had some pretty nice runs. Uh, McLaughlin did as well. It'll be interesting to see if maybe that was just something that the Chiefs were giving to the Broncos. Like, hey, you can run it all you want. We don't care. We're going to shut down this passing game. But I, I suspect that a big part of the offensive game plan is going to get Eckler going again. And if, it makes sense, right? He's one of the best weapons that they have. And uh, Justin Herbert is having a good season. And a big part of that has been incorporating the play action game and being able to pass off of it. So I'm looking for the Chiefs to just force Justin Herbert into throwing the ball to Keenan Allen. I feel good about that matchup. The Chiefs have done well against wide receiver ones. And just make the run not an option. Well, you just mentioned it, Price, and you kind of perfectly led me into mine. And I'm going to preface my key by saying this is less of a key for the Chargers game and more of an evergreen key moving forward. I know we've talked about this guy a fair amount, but I think we should like, you know, like really talk about him is Trent McDuffie. Uh, the guy's a superstar guys. Like I, I don't put any more disclaimers on it. It's not like, Oh, has the you know, potential. He's looking good. He's one of the bright, he's one of their best. No, like, He's one of the best cornerbacks in the NFL. I don't know where you guys would slot him. Top five, top 10, doesn't really matter. He's never going to get the love until he starts getting the interception. Still doesn't have one, by the way. He has three forced fumbles on the season, but no interceptions. And that's what typically, like the stat, we just kind of point to to say, okay, who's the best cornerback in the NFL? Whoever's leading the league in interceptions. Um, Sauce Gardner is the best cornerback from that class last year. Uh, I think... Trip McDuffie has supplanted Tariq Woolen as the second best cornerback from that class. And what's been really interesting about the way they've used him this year is that before this season, when you look at Legereus Sneed's role in Kansas City, and Nate, I know you wrote about this last week about the, the decision the Chiefs are going to have to potentially extend Sneed. I thought Sneed's role in this defense was predicated on his skill set, like being a Swiss Army knife, being long and lanky and being able to come up to the line of scrimmage and blitz the quarterback and help in the run game. But now you're seeing in year two with McDuffie, they're doing a lot of the same stuff, at least from the principle of we're going to put you everywhere, right? We're going to line you up in the slot. We're going to line you up outside. We're going to line you up in the box. We're going to put you at the line of scrimmage. We're going to have you blitz the quarterback. And he is making an impact wherever they line him up. Like he's helping in the run game. He's a great man, man corner. Like, He's doing everything you want, and he's a game wrecker, as we saw with that forced fumble on Pirine last week. This guy impacts the game in such a variety of ways. It gives you so many more options defensively with how you want to attack teams. And I just think that, like, if you told me 
Chris Jones was the most important or the best player on this Chiefs defense. I don't think anybody would argue. Would anybody argue with me if I said that Trent McDuffie's the second best player on this defense? I would say it's pretty clear that he's number two. I mean, I mean, like the thing about McDuffie is, and I think this is what makes he and Snead such a good tandem is that the Chiefs no longer have like the thing about having versatile players is that if you don't have multiple versatile players, having one doesn't matter. So like Trent McDuffie being able to do a bunch of different things doesn't matter if Jerry Snead isn't able to do a bunch of different things. And they're just such a great synergy between each other. Because you can't put wide receivers on the outside anymore because LeJarrius Sneed is playing so well, uh, like playing on the outside. But you don't get an advantage by putting, you know, Trent McDuffie in the slot or your wide receiver in the slot because Trent McDuffie then can cover him and handle him just as well. And teams aren't able to attack Trent McDuffie's lack of size with run game. Like he's proven to be such a capable run defender as a tackler. So the Chiefs just never have to you know, get off the, they don't have to get off the field on dot, like in nickel, they can keep Trent McDuffie in the slot and they never have to worry about the run. They don't have to do anything to compromise their defense to cover that. And that's just such a valuable thing. And it's such a sustainable thing when you go against all these elite offenses, the fact that they offenses just don't have a way to attack a specific weakness on the chiefs defense, particularly in the secondary. And that's just, that's, it's so much fun to watch. I think one thing that I would definitely want to give flowers to for that as well is Steve Spagnolo. Uh, right now, the Fangio defense has just like plagued the NFL. And they're, it's like a third of the teams have some sort of iteration of the Fangio defense. And it's soft, off coverage, letting everything come to you. And the NFL has basically like learned this defense. There's a lot of data proving that like teams are much better understanding how to attack these defenses and teams are just getting more effective at not making the small little mistakes, running the ball. It's why we kind of have this really weird season as far as offense goes. But Steve Spagnuolo has stuck to his guns as a, as a press man guy, and he's gotten players who can really effectively do it. And part the corners playing the run so well, it's part of what I think makes Spagnuolo such a strong defensive coordinator is that he throws, yes, he's a blitz heavy guy, but also he throws such a variety of looks at players because the players are so interchangeable. And, you know, I also think there's something to learn here about measurables, right? Uh, Trent McDuffie, he had the short arms. There were some teams that were out on him for that, but he had so many other dominant traits that his coverage skills, his tackling, all those type of things, they kind of overcame that. We start getting into these measurable conversations. There was a lot of them around the previous draft. McDuffie has been able to overcome that because he does have a dominant trait. So I, I credit the Chiefs and Steve Spagnuolo for making this work and playing a sort of defense that, honestly, most of the best defenses in the league right now are not those Fangio-style defenses. It's players, it's teams like Jim Schwartz and Robert Sala who play a more physical, we're going to play to you instead of let you play us sort of defense. I'm glad he's undersized because if he weren't, he never would have slipped all the way to oh, the Chiefs. yeah, for sure, for sure. And, um, you know, yeah, well, I'm just happy he, he's here in Kansas City. And, um, you know, I think, honestly, it's, the sky's the limit for him. Yep, I agree. Um, by the way, that's Price over there. That's Nate down there. Sorry to the audio <laughs> listeners. All right, Price, uh, let's stick with you. Let's get the uh, game predictions. What do you got for this one? Well, as Nate said, these these games always do seem to be tight. I, I always worried about a corner animal, right? Like, uh Brandon Staley's looking like a reincarnated Todd Haley here with the beard. This man looks like he's been fired since week two. Um, I I suspect that, you know, fake punts going for it on fourth and 12, 
nothing's off the table here, right? Because as we alluded to, this can basically be the charter season. Now they do have their schedule lighten up quite a bit. They've got the bears coming up Viking or a couple other softer teams on their schedule coming up here. But I ultimately, I come down to this. The chargers are a few plays away. I mean, they needed conversions to beat the, you know, one in five Vikings and the, and the chargers led by Aiden O'Connell. Um, they're also a few plays away from being four and two. Um, with that being said, I just think the Chiefs win these type of games. They know how to execute. I think the defense is playing so well. I don't think that the offense is playing as well for the Chargers. I think some of those things that were part of why Kellen Moore's not out or not in Dallas anymore are kind of reeling their head a little bit here. Ultimately, I just think that the Chiefs do just enough to kind of put this game away late. Um, I suspect that the Chargers offense is not going to succeed, but they'll have a couple of splashy plays. They always play like a Super Bowl team in the first half and then start to struggle. Um, I'm, I'm going to take the Chiefs 24-13 here. Not a super high-scoring affair. Do you think that the Chargers will play plunky? But at the end of the day, I think the Chiefs are able to walk away with the win. That would be a comfortable cover for the Chiefs, who are favored by five and a half. And I would just like to remind people last week who were frustrated after that sloppy win versus the Broncos, the Chiefs covered, right? They were They were 10-point favorites. They won by 11, so you know the saying, good teams win, great teams cover. Maurice, what do you got for this one? Uh, I'm going to step out on a limb, and I don't think this was going to be close. Mm. Uh, I re- I don't think this was going to be close. Something is telling me that something starts to click this week. Um, and unfortunately, the, to the Justin Watson, you know, injury, but I feel like this tightens up the rotation a little bit where some receivers get to stay on the field a little bit more, be able to get into some rhythm. And I think the chiefs offense find a rhythm this week. Um, I, I love the chiefs defense and what they're doing. I'm really going to, I think it's going to be the chiefs go, put a 30 ball up and get to 31. I'm going to say 31, 17. Wow. Okay. So two score game, two, two score predictions, Nate, you're going to make it three. Uh, I am not. Um, I can't remember what coach <laughs> said this, but. There's a saying that you can't fake desperation. And I think the Chargers are pretty desperate after this like kind of last week's game because they came off the bye. You have a home, you know, quote unquote home game, I should say, against the Cowboys. You kind of blow it late. And now two and four, like the schedule does get easier. The AFC is certainly not super like deep in top end team. So it's not like an end of the season thing. But if you really want to have it, your best shot at making a deep playoff run, which seems like the quota for this franchise at this point, you got to win these games. And I think that they're going to come out and play, have a really good game plan. They're going to come out and probably be the better team in the first half, which is what happens a lot of these games. But I just don't think this version of the Chargers team is talented as they used to be anymore. Just the guys are older. The you know We didn't even mention Mike Williams being gone is such a big deal for this team. I, I found this stat on my Twitter. In the last nine games Mike Williams has played, if you like extrapolate that nine games for a full season, his stats would be 79 catches for 1,300 yards and 13 touchdowns. Not many wide receivers beat the Chiefs as well as Mike Williams does, and he's out with a torn ACL. That's such a big deal for this game. Ultimately, I think the Chargers will keep this close like they do all these games, but I think the Chiefs are just a better team. I'm going to go 27-24 Chiefs. The word desperation getting thrown around a lot, I think it's very appropriate, but Seriously, guys, since week two, every team the Chiefs have played have been fighting for their season. Bears, Vikings, Jets, Broncos season was pretty much over going into last week's game. But I guess you're fighting for pride at this point and trying to figure out who's going to be around next year, including the head coach. 
the Chargers are right in that bucket. But like, I know that the thing gets thrown around a lot, like, oh, this team plays in so many close games. Anybody who watches Red Zone on Sundays realizes that like all these games are close. There's one blowout a weekend and every other game is a one-score game that is generally decided in the last six minutes. The Chargers' three losses this year, guys, are by a combined eight points. Like This team only plays in close games. And my vibes going into this one are very similar to going into the Vikings game underperforming team that we know have talent, but just aren't getting it done for whatever reason. I'm kind of closer to Nate than I am Maurice and Price, guys, just because I trust this talent. It's a division game, and I trust the history, which suggests that these teams always play each other really close. So I'm going to go, and I think I've had this score like three times this year. I'm going to go 24-21. The Chiefs win buy a field goal, late game heroics. Let's go a late game touchdown by Travis Kelsey, right? I think he, ever since the Derwin James started popping up like six years ago, he has just absolutely wrecked the Chargers. So I'm going to say a big touchdown by uh, Kelsey in the fourth quarter to give the Chiefs the win. Fellas, it's been fun. We're going to be back next week talking about the Broncos again. And so I hope you guys aren't sick of them already. Uh, Appreciate the time as always. Thanks to you for listening. If you haven't already, please subscribe, rate, and review wherever you get your podcasts. This is Kingdom Keys, the official pregame show for Arrowhead Pride. And for Price Carter, Maurice Elston, Nate Christensen, I am Nick Schwert. Thanks for tuning in. We'll talk to you guys next week. More to-dos, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Sometimes doing business has never felt harder. But you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You can just use HubSpot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this. High-quality leads, fast-closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark-breaking quarters. It's not a miracle. It's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today.